Hi everyone and welcome to today's episode. I'm hoping that you've listened to my first episode. I was just so overwhelmed and just stoked with the response. So thank you to everyone who has listened to it. If you haven't, please go give it a listen. It's important to know where I'm coming from and yeah, and just to get in touch with me and my style before we dive into this actual podcast channel. But welcome to episode two. I am excited about today. Today I want to talk about you. So in the last episode, we did lots of talking about me. Today, we're digging into you. And I'm excited for this topic. This is Caitlin DeBeer, and you're listening to The Un Podcast. It's about you. I'm a life coach, motivational speaker, and psychology lecturer. And I'm here to inspire you to love yourself, to love your life, and to want to wake up every morning. Over to today's episode. Happiness starts and ends with you. Yep, that's true. The space between your ears is far more valuable than you probably give it credit for. And as I've said before, science is showing that 90% of what makes us happy is just how our brains process things. In other words, what goes on in your headspace. For me, I've come a long way in my journey to understanding me and and learning the art of self-management, which is literally learning to manage me, self-management. So to embrace my specific personality, my genetic makeup, so what I look like, my physical body, to manage my go-to emotions, my triggers, and then to embrace each day with an honest degree of self-love and acceptance. And this isn't some unrealistic thing. Managing yourself is a beautiful gift that you actually get to give you. And only you can do this. This is something I work on with my clients, my coaching clients, every single day. And it's honestly a privilege to watch as clients are given permission to be themselves. It's as if our whole lives we've been told that we need to be something or be someone. I know for me, this is something I did for a long time. It wasn't in those days, especially school days. There was no such thing as Instagram. (laughs) Aha moment. Um, I'm turning 30 next month, so no such thing as Instagram. But um, in my school days, but I found that even in those days, before we had this sort of graphic thing, digital thing that was in our faces, there was still this desire to be someone else. So, you know, whether it was that you looked up to someone because they were pretty or you looked up to them because of the role that they played at school, you know, a leadership role perhaps or a sport captain role or... I remember, how weird is this, I remember a a swimming gala in matric and one of the younger girl's sisters arrived and she was in first year varsity, she'd been at school with us and she was obviously on holiday um, but I I didn't think of that in the moment but she arrived and she was wearing this like really sporty, probably like Adidas tracksuit kind of look Um, But think like really trendy Adidas tracksuits. And in those days, that wasn't like a thing. Um, Although it is now the whole activewear thing. But she was in this tracksuit. And I remember saying to a friend of mine, I literally said to Sibyl, I was like, Sibyl, that's going to be me next year. And I remember thinking like, okay, but how will I replicate that adversity? And I was obviously going off to Stellenbosch. And I was thinking, I'd have to like lose weight. I'd always been skinny, but I wanted to be like this girl. I wanted to like be that sporty girl that everyone like saw in her like chilled out tracksuits on campus. This was my thinking. How crazy that we'll look at someone and we'll think, if I could do it like them, I might be happy. Or I might accept myself more. Or I might love myself more. 
And I'm giving you a body example and I'm sure there are plenty out there and you can think of plenty of people, I'm sure, who you maybe follow on Instagram and, and believe that if you just looked closer to what they look like or perhaps did what they did or maybe had more money like their family or, you know, if you were able to throw a party like their child's party um, or whatever it is that you're looking to them for, that you'd probably be a bit happier. But the truth is, and the truth will always be, that you will only be second best if you're trying to replicate someone else's life. And not just second best, but you'll never truly be happy because you weren't designed to replicate someone else's life. You were designed, intricately, intentionally designed by your creator to rock you. And I mean all of you. This is different to everyone else. This, this you thing is meaning your body. It's meaning your, as I say, genetic makeup, what you look like and the fact that you have bigger thighs but a tiny bum or, you know, whatever it is, freckles on your face and, you know, a birthmark on your leg or whatever, big feet, small toes, whatever that genetic makeup is. You were designed to rock that. You were designed to rock your crazy complex personality that not everyone gets or, or maybe everyone gets or, or maybe no one gets. You were designed to rock that. You were designed to embrace the beautiful, full person that you are and to, yes, manage that person in a constructive way so that you can give the world the beautiful gift of you. We cannot, cannot manage our lives according to other people's standards and then expect to be happy when we reach these because, as we know, the goalpost just keeps changing and we never actually experience the happiness we thought would come, you know, if we could do whatever someone else does, get engaged, get married, you know, I was going to say grow abs, not grow them, <laughs> uh, whatever you do with abs, get abs, <laughs> um, you know, buy a new home, whatever we thought would make us happy never does, and then we stretch that goalpost, but instead, the happiest people are those who know who they are, and they rock that person. I was recently coaching a client and she said to me that she couldn't understand why she wasn't like bursting with gratitude because most people would die for her life. And instead, you know, she was here seeing me and, and complaining about the life she lived. And I replied with the simple question. So she said to me, you know, people are like dying to be me or live the life that I live. And yet I'm not bursting with gratitude. And I replied with which people? And she was like, everyone and I challenged her by saying that her life wasn't my dream life and this hit her hard <laughs> and it wasn't that I offended her nor did I intend to but what I was pushing was the idea that the supposed life that she was living where she was a housewife and she had plenty money so she didn't have to work that it might not be her dream and that that was okay we can only manage ourselves when we actually know ourselves. It is such a privilege to get to know yourself. I want to tell you a quick story. So I've told you before, my husband and I lived in Asia in 2013 in South Korea. And um, we went to a Korean wedding, which was totally different and, and really cool and just an amazing experience. But there were probably, say, between like 400 and 800 people in this wedding hall. Sorry about the huge range, but you get my, my gist. I mean, I'm an exaggerator by nature, so I'm trying to go with a small number. I would have said 800, but let's go with 400 to 800. 
um, and they're in this enormous hall and we're all sitting in pews. So like, you know, like church rows, although it wasn't a religious building. We were the only foreigners, Westerners, in this venue. Okay, the only ones. So we sit behind this young family and they've got two sons, a four-year-old and a six-year-old, I would say about that. And these boys just keep popping their heads above their pew and looking at us and then going back down again and like giggling like mad and then popping up and then going back down. And then after like halfway through the service, they pop their heads up and I wish I could show you. I want to like use my hands. But what they do is if you imagine they put their um, finger, like their forefinger onto their eyes. I'm even showing you now. (laughs) And they push their eyes in. Okay, so squish their eyes in. And then they use their pinkies and they pushed up their noses with the other finger. So imagine, you can even try now, push your eyes in and then pull up your nose. This is the Westerners. And then they literally like packed up laughing and went back down and like were hosing themselves. And their parents were so embarrassed that they picked them up and they left the wedding. And they kept on saying like, sorry, 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 as they were going to us. Now it took H and I a few minutes to actually work out what they were doing. I don't know if you figured it out yet. But basically what they were doing was if we were to pull our eyes out and make sort of slanted eyes like many Asian eyes um, or Chinese as we would often refer to here in South Africa, they were doing the opposite to us. So they were like teasing our eye shape as Westerners. Now the reason I tell this story and why I love telling it in my talks is because their normal was not our normal. And your normal will never be someone else's normal. Yes, we were living in a completely different country with a different culture, but even those who live in your street or have the same aged kids as you or perhaps are your colleagues at work or even, gosh, your siblings, you're not the same. You might be similar, but you were never designed to be the same. And the expectations that you have on yourself or the person that you were called to be and created to be will never be the same as them despite how many similarities you might have. The journey begins with knowing who you are, what you love doing, and what God put in your heart that makes you feel most alive. When you know this, only then can you create a life that you actually love waking up to. And then we can absolutely accurately manage ourselves according to the best standard of our personal lives. Happiness starts and ends with you and you getting to know you. So let's do a quick activity. I'm not going to make this long. I want you to close your eyes. Okay, everyone close their eyes. And I want you to think of you at your absolute happiest. So what is it that you're doing when you are just in your element? Where are you? Is there anyone with you? What specifically are you doing? Try and get that picture in your head. Okay, you can open up your eyes. Now my question would be, how often do you do this thing? And I don't mean close your eyes and go there. I mean the physical actually going to this place or doing this thing. Now, absolutely, if it's like an overseas trip, I get that it probably isn't often. But what I find with most of my clients is that when I ask them this question, they can usually name about five things that really make them come alive, you know, feel like most themselves. 
but they usually say, you know, they do these things or go to these places on weekends or perhaps on holidays. In other words, the sort of 15 days a year that they become most themselves. How sad is that? That we only feel ourselves 15 days a year. Or maybe just over the weekends. My encouragement to you is this. Get to know you at your best. Get to know what it is. Get to know the moments that fulfill you. When I was, and I've told the story in my first episode, when I was in rehab in a clinic in um, 2007, I got an A4 page and I turned it sideways, so like landscape, and I wrote in the middle, what makes me come alive? And then I started filling this page with things and I took this page everywhere with me. For about two years, it just journeyed with me. I still have it today. And I, I wrote down at first the obvious things. I know I love running and I love swimming in the sea and, you know, I love spending time with my family um, or my brothers um, and the, the obvious ones went on. And then I got stuck, much like my clients do now. And what I did then is I put it in my car and I would just, every time I had a moment that made me feel like most me, that like that really good feeling of like, oh my word, you know, that really made me happy, I'd write it down. And I started adding to this list things like, I learned that I love swinging. And when I say swinging, I mean swinging on swings. Okay, I learned this lesson after doing a talk and not specifying that. Okay, I like swinging on swings. I like eating croissants. Even though I tend to be pretty healthy, I love um, spending time with African children in communities. I love going out to communities and spending children with time with local children. Um, other things that I love, I definitely don't love animals, so that didn't go on. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay to say that I don't. And we probably will get a dog in the year, um, more for my children than for me. But the things that I do love is I love going to, to movies on my own. I love doing that, even though I'm an extrovert. I love going to coffee shops on my own as well. Um, again, even though I'm an extrovert and I love speaking in front of audiences. And slowly I started building up this list and I got it to about 60 items. And just last year, I was sitting with a friend and she said to me, you know, does anyone even know what makes them happy? And I was like, yes, yes, pick me, me. I know, I know. <laughs> um, and I say that in as non-arrogant way as I can say, because this has been such a journey for me just to get to know myself and to be okay with that person. That maybe everyone doesn't like, you know, all the little bits of me and, and that's okay. They were never meant to. But I need to like me and I need to make time for the things that fill my soul, the things that make me happy. And now I try and do this as often as I can. I try to, to turn off the TV more often and make time for reading. You know, something we all say we've never got time for. On a Sunday night, we try and not watch TV at all and, and read our Bibles and try and connect with each other. Um, we try and take date nights often and we try and travel as often as we can. And we, we've, since we, my husband and I, have discovered what makes us happy, it's easier to actually make time and, and live more intentionally lives that we want to live. I hope this is making sense for you and is giving you something fun to do for the start of this year. The tools that we use to manage ourselves are all different. We need to manage our emotions. We need to, some of us need to manage our personalities, well, all of us to different degrees. I definitely do. Yes, we absolutely need to make tweaks here and there, but we also need to be okay with ourselves as we are without the tweaks. And we need to learn to love our physical bodies 
despite what they look like. Because the truth is, a happy person is someone who does things that make them happy and ensures that their headspace is a happy headspace. Not someone who looks a certain way or lives in a big house or sends their kids to a certain school or has a certain party. It's not that that will ever fulfill you. What fulfills you is what goes on between your two ears. And I encourage you to start tapping into that space. Start tapping into who you are and who you were created to be. Because that person is beautiful and so, so deserving of the life that you were created to live. This episode has ended. But I would love for you to go onto my website now and play around a bit. I've just launched a new course called Thriving As Me. And it's exactly that. It's teaching you and giving you tools to thrive as you. It's a self-paced course. There are audios, a workbook, and it's a stunning course that you can do over as much time or as little time as you'd like to. So go and check that out under courses on my website. Otherwise, please come across to Instagram and follow me under Caitlin DeBeer. I hope that you have a stunning, stunning day and week further. And I will connect with you next week for episode three.